Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, and today I am joined by Cassidy Gamet. Cassidy, how you doing? I'm doing good. Excited about this season so far. Can you believe that we, it's not even been a month since opening night. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, because it was October 18th. Right? And today is, we're recording this on November 13th. It hasn't even been a month. It feels like it's been like a year, and I I, love it. I know. I feel like so much has happened. Like, so let's start with that. Um, I mean, in what, three and a half, four short weeks, what are some of the things that have stood out to you about this season? Well, uh, Jimmy Butler finally found a home where he's not mad about it I guess I mean he could still be mad I don't know but he at least found a home and had a another wonderful back to a new team opening uh press conference which he's so good at I have Uh, not seen the press conference yet you want to reenact it for me um you know I didn't watch the whole thing but he is just so good at it and I can never forget how good he was at it in Minnesota when he gave out his personal phone number. So I'm just thinking he's really good at these press conferences and then we just have to wait and see. <laughs> I don't trust anything anymore. Were you surprised at how long it took? I was shocked at how long it yeah. took to find him a new place. I I honestly can't believe that it had it had to happen during the season. I'm surprised it didn't happen preseason. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. 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 Me too. And um, I'm just, I'm glad everybody can move on. I'm also very surprised that Minnesota actually got something because if I was a GM uh, for a team, I would have been like, I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> like, you are in a bad place right now. And I guess that's why I'm not a GM. But I like, I don't know. I felt like they got a good couple of pieces that, um, you know, I think. I don't think it's going to get worse in Minnesota. No. Right. Right. Um, We've already also had fights resulting in suspensions this season. The, of course, the classic um, Rondo Chris Paul fight, which it was just like, is this, is this real? Is this like, what was that the first week of the season? And we already got that. Like that's premium content. That's like pay-per-view content. And it was just like being handed to us like candy. Yeah. I, I could not believe that that was happening so soon. I was like, what is happening? This isn't the playoffs. Like, how are we already punching each other? I know. I know. How is anybody this into it, right? Already. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, and even there's already infighting in teams as well. And I don't want to delight in anybody's, you know, um, uh, discomfort. We, you know, we've already known that things were in Washington um, between Bradley Beal and John Wall have not been great. But again, just breaking today, apparently there is strife in the locker room with the Golden State Warriors. The 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 perfect team is apparently, I don't know, do they have cracks in them now? I, I think possibly. I, I don't know. I think maybe there's some amping up going on. I think Draymond and DeMarcus both have very similar abilities to amp themselves up. Uh, I think part of that is definitely that they lost to the Clippers last night. Mm-hmm. And um, 
that can't feel good. Yeah, actually, let's let, let help me step through like what's actually going on there because I had a busy day today and I couldn't keep up with all of the notifications that were coming in about this because Woj was like all over out out in front <laughs> of about, about this. So the Clippers, who turns out are a fun team to watch this year, um, no, it's amazing. They beat the Golden State Warriors last night, and the last play, Draymond took the ball and went down the court and decided to take care of it on his own instead of passing it to Kevin Durant. And I don't know if it was like yeah. the very last play, but it was definitely it was, the end, right? It was the last play of the game, and it was clear Durant was calling for the ball. Uh, Green proceeded to go up the court with it as Durant is calling for the ball and basically loses the ball. Uh, no last chance to win the game, and they go immediately into overtime and where was, they lose. Oh, and it, that took them into overtime where they lost. Oh, so yeah. it was prolonged a little bit longer. Yeah, it was, it was five prolonged. Longer. And there was definitely a fight on the bench at that point. Uh, DeMarcus seemed to be trying to calm Draymond down. Uh, everybody else is trying to calm Durant down. Clay Thompson is just sitting there laughing to himself. It was quite wonderful. Apparently, then that continued uh, in the locker room where Draymond proceeded to consistently call. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, there was Durant, some name calling. Some names. The B word, name calling. Yes, multiple B words, mm-hmm. as I have heard. Um, and then Golden State. Released today that they've suspended Draymond without pay for a game. For $120,000 he's going to lose over this. I Okay, so the whole thing, the whole thing is so bizarre that I'm just like, is this really happening or is there, is there something else? Because remember, this is a team that was so good and so superior that they had to go and have a practice with Harlem Globetrotters because regular practice isn't (laughs) stimulating enough for them so part of me wonders how much of this is a show part of me wonders how much of it is that it's just like we're all just so thirsty for stories about anything possibly going slightly awry um i don't i mean i don't it's it's just so unusual that i have a hard time really taking it at face value what about you yeah, I feel like there is a sliver in tr- a sliver of truth in just about everything, but I feel like this is overblown and possibly a lot of people very excited about watching Golden State fail. Yeah. Um which you know, I'm a little on that bandwagon as well. So I can't complain <laughs> can't too <lie>. much, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I think that the media is probably overblowing it a bit, but I think we're going to need to watch the storyline as the season progresses to see if maybe there are bigger cracks than we thought. Well, and there's also so much media right now covering Golden State that they got to make something happen, right? I mean, yeah. there's just sheer volume of reporters in the Bay Area covering that team anymore yeah. that um, you know, somebody's got to somebody's got to try to write the next story that is the most interesting yeah. that's going to, you know, get the most views. It's all it's all very uh very complicated. But um before we move on, we talked about um excellent teams that may have cracks in them, but there's actually also some teams that are surprising. (laughs) 
So we mentioned the Clippers. Um, the Blazers played the Clippers and the Blazers won, but that was a fun competitive game. That was just fun basketball to watch. It was. It was a really fun game to watch. The whole time I'm thinking, how is this so close against the Clippers? But then you're watching them play and you're like, they're playing well. Yeah. They're they're being coached well. I think maybe getting rid of Austin Rivers was helpful to a certain extent. Well, I and just kind of bringing in guys who, um, you know, just want to prove that they're good basketball players. And then Bobby and Toby. Um, <laughs> Boban, I can't remember his last name, Maranovic. I can't, I don't, I'm not sure his last name. Um, the seven foot three is that he's huge yeah, and he can dunk without like leaving his feet, but he looks like he's enjoying himself so much. <laughs> I do like watching players who like look happy about it. Yeah. I mean, cause he's like, it's gotta be, it's just, you know, it's clearly hard for him to move his giant frame, um, up and down the court. But he just really looks like he's having a good time doing it. And there's just a lot of players out there that are just balling out and having a, a fun time this year. We've got offense just, you know, crazy high. <laughs> yeah. The defense. Uh... But it's not – I don't even think it's that the defense is that bad. You know? Yeah, I guess the offense is just so fast-paced with so many teams this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it comes off as maybe people aren't playing defense when you look at scores, but then you watch the games and you're like, no, there's defense happening. Well, I I looked at, um, I was reading some article because I was writing the, well, we, you and I did it together, worked on the preview for the Laker game, and I came across some article um, where the, um, the author said something about um, holding, you know, the Blazers or the Lakers had much improved defense and they had held them to a blistering 104 points. <laughs> and I was oh like, that's not, that's not what I would consider great defense. But I guess when you look at how much people are scoring these days, that isn't that bad. <laughs> I think going into that game, LA was averaging opponents scoring something like I want to say it was like 119, but don't quote me on that. Well, so they, when they got Tyson Chandler, everything turned around. Um, I yeah. just was looking it up. I know it, it was a big drop um, in their um, defensive rating. They, uh, their defensive rating had been like 111 and then it dropped way down to like 97, I yeah. think um, something like that. But um, it, it, the other thing that's kind of surprising this year and, you know, going back to Jimmy Butler is that like, we already have um, players are changing teams already um and that just seems like it's something that doesn't usually happen till later because there's a whole slew of guys who can't change teams until december 15th which is when players who were signed this year can then be moved i think mm -hmm. that's that's yeah. the rule right and i think we're going to be heading for possibly watching players try to move later in the season too yeah yeah no i it's going to be and we haven't even brought up mellow <laughs> oh my gosh that is Ugh. just yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know where to go with that because so I did I we had an earlier what podcast where I went and talked to people from every fan base who um, Mello has played for. And it was so interesting because, you know, we get the the national perspective and we get like whatever is the most popular um uh, what do you call it? Narrative that that floats up to the top or whatever. But I went and talked to fans who remember what it was like in Denver before he got there, and how much he meant to that franchise. And then when he went to New York, and for a time in New York, 
things went well, or at least mm-hmm. the fans wanted things <laughs> to go well. Yeah. And like, there's all this optimism every time a new uh, player comes in and sometimes that optimism is overblown and it's just because you're a fan and you want things to go really well. But also sometimes it's like that sort of clean slate thing. Like we're going to, we're going to start anew and give you a chance to start over again if things didn't end up well where you were. Um, so it was just a really interesting glimpse because people all have opinions about Mello. And I just always thought it was so weird. Everyone's like, Hall of Famer, Carmelo Anthony. And then the next sentence is about something about, like, you know, that, you know, he's a train wreck or whatever. And, yeah. like, those two things are just so far apart. And I think what it all is is that Mello's struggling. He had an amazing college career. He set the world on fire when he was in the Olympics. He had some really great years in the NBA, but now he's struggling with what's next and adopting, you know, the, the attitude that he needs to take to be able to prolong his career. Um, But it's gotten so sensational with, you know, all of the immediate coverage about everything. And so now every time he does one thing, it's just like, you know, people were throwing flames and, and then the players are jumping on and they're defending him. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it's know. just so much to handle. And I, I actually respect the way that the it, Houston seems to be dealing with it right now is just making sure that they know, like oh, not getting rid of him. Like they're, they're putting that statement out there, but I mean, there's only so long you can hide talks with other teams. Yeah. <laughs> there's only so long. Yeah. So I yeah. think that is his his future is definitely in jeopardy with Houston. Yeah. Well, um, b- real quick about the Blazers, because we're both Blazer fans. What's yeah. the thing that has uh, surprised you the most about the team this year? And boy, there are so many things I would say <laughs> that I could mention. The bench. Yeah. I didn't expect the bench to be as ready as quickly as they have been. I thought this bench could definitely get to this place where they're a really quality second team and there's no real rush to put the first team back in. But I thought we'd at least need a month or two to see that take place. And I think watching it happen so quickly really speaks to the leadership of the team, both coaching-wise and from those key leading players like Dame, to give them the confidence that they need to be a great second team. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I just I think that Evan Turner sat them down at the beginning of the year and was like I'm going to get you guys paid, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh Nick Stauskas, Seth Curry, they're on short-term deals, um either team option or player option or but they're very, they're not here for very long and the the idea is that they could easily be gone quickly and the better that they do this year, you know, the better that they will do down the road. Um, and I just think, well, and even, you know, Jake Lehman is getting close to the point where his uh, rookie contract is going to be over. Um, so I think he's like, look, I know you guys are all have a lot of talent and you stick with me. I'm going to get you paid. And they're like, OK. And they're just all they just they play like they're all in. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, watching E.T. coach in the the basketball tournament this summer. Also, I think gave him a little bit more confidence to help lead that second team Um, because he got to coach one of the teams that did really well this summer in that tournament. Yeah, that's a great point. 
Yeah, I forgot about that. He was the the coach of the basketball tournament team. Yeah. So yeah, things are uh, things are looking pretty good in in Blazerland right now. But we had talked about um, having a discussion today um, about the media because it's like all of these stories, all this drama that is going on. One of the things that I've really felt this year is that the media has started to become kind of its own personality and its own storyline in terms of, you know, who's breaking what. And, you know, um, Woj is, I feel like, his own character. He's like a character now. He's not a reporter, right? Oh, yeah. He is larger than like, he's larger than life, really. Like, he's Woj. Mm -hmm. He's not even a person anymore. He's just that. I mean, he is a person, but he's got that that over overall presence in the NBA where you're just like looking to see what Woj is going to say. Yeah. It's like an almighty being. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, and, and then, you know, he's there's other people who are like, you know, following like Shams who are kind of following along in the mall and guys like, um, you know, Bill Simmons, who's been around for a super long time, like he kind of is a media personality and, Mm -hmm. you know, beyond, you know, sports reporting. So it's weird because there's this sort of mishmash of like personalities who talk about sports, but then there's also this like rich selection of places where you can go to get information. There are so many places. Yeah. So Um, what are some of your favorite places to go for uh, basketball info? Because I know that uh, you are like me, a junkie online all the time. Yeah. I think my go-to is probably Bleacher Report because there's so many – it's just a compiled place of so many different sources. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I like to do uh, with my Bleacher Report is I add teams to my favorites about a week before the Blazers are going to play them. Oh. So I get to start seeing their local like, local stories about them and national stories about them and you know, fans' Twitters, about, tweets about them and all of that. And so that's a fun way to get to kind of preview teams before uh, the Blazers get to watch it, get to uh, match up against them. And so you kind of go into the game with a little bit more knowledge. Uh, and I think Bleacher Report's a big one for me. The One of the ones that I really love is Players' Tribune. Mm-hmm. Just getting a different perspective that's about the game and then also frequently beyond the game mm-hmm. and just being a professional athlete and what that means. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorites? So um, one of my daily rituals is I subscribe to Tom Ziller's Good Morning It's Basketball newsletter. And he works for SB Nation, and but he compiles news from all different sources, including SB Nation sources like Blazer's Edge. Um, although I'm not sure I've ever seen Blazer's Edge in there. But anyway, we'll get there. I'm yeah. sure I'm pretty – no, he has been in there because I remember I've, I've congratulated um, – uh, writers on on being in the newsletter but anyway it comes out at like six o'clock every morning good morning it's basketball and if I read nothing else if I don't have time for anything else I read like the the 10 articles or eight to ten articles that he links to in there and he gives a good summary a good narrative of like what you're gonna get and um just it always it's just always such a good recap of of whatever just happened the night before so they they do all of the you know, he has links to all the game recaps if all you want to do is just watch the mm-hmm. game stuff. But then he also has, like, some the top features that have been in there. Um, so I love the Good Morning It's Basketball newsletter. And there's a um, there's a couple podcasts that I really like. The Open Floor podcast, which is by Sports Illustrated. And um, 
it's Andrew Sharp and Ben Golliver, uh, Portland's own Ben Golliver. Um, nice. And that's a that's a fun podcast. Ben, one of the reasons I really like it is because Ben, along with this guy named Rob Mahoney, are the guys who do the top 100 rankings. And so it's constantly something that they refer to when they're talking about it, like how they came up with the top 100 rankings and um, where somebody ended up in the rankings. And uh, it's interesting to just see the the thought behind it because, you know, everybody kind of has like a notion of who, you know, who's a good player, who's mm-hmm. uh, a really good player, who's the top tier player. But these guys spend all summer, you know, coming up with their rubric and writing it down. And um, it's just interesting to see it crop up like today they were like um uh ben Gulliver was saying something about uh see why we left kyle kuzma off the top 100 list <laughs> right after like andrew sharp had like pointed out somebody that had gotten like way artificially up way too high <laughs> but i like that well what are some other ones that you like um i love watching uh local broadcast announcers for different teams uh-huh that's something that i'm mildly obsessed with um, and I don't have a league pass yet, yet, uh-huh. but, uh, I watch a lot of them on NBA TV and a lot of the reruns of games and I just love getting to know different announcing teams. Uh-huh. And some of your uh, favorites. I, I absolutely Besides love the, the Blazers, in- of course. Okay. Duh, the Blazers, but I love the Indiana broadcast team. They are delightful. They're so Indiana. They love their community. They love basketball. They are true Pacer fans from an early age. Oh. They are just, whenever they cut to them on the screen, they just look so happy to be there. And uh-huh. it's amazing. And I love them. Uh, the team is made up of Chris Denari, who's the play-by-play announcer. And he's been doing it for, I think, about 13 years there. Uh, he's also done the announcing for the Fever as well. Uh Raised in Indiana, coached by his dad in high school. Uh, <laughs> Quinn Buckner is amazing. Probably my favorite part of that team. Uh, he played in the NBA for 10 years, coached with Dallas. But one of the best facts about him is he is one of three people in history of basketball to win a championship on every level, high school, college, Olympics, and the NBA. Oh, cool. I need to research who the other people are. But <laughs> I read that and I was like, that is amazing he was also the captain of the 1976 gold medal winning olympic basketball team uh and he is great and he finds great delight in the little things like frequently a coach will make a funny face and he will sit there and laugh for a minute and it is amazing and they will go we're gonna cut in to hear the sounds of the game and then they're all quiet for like three minutes while you just listen to the basketball game and the squeaking shoes and i just I love watching the Indiana team broadcast team. So everyone should watch them. Jeremiah Johnson, their sideline reporter. This is his dream job. Admittedly, he loves the Pacers. He remembers playing uh, with his YMCA team on the Pacers court in 1985. And it's one of his favorite memories. They were like one of like the teams that played like after the game or during halftime or whatever. So I highly recommend watching the Indiana team. That is so cute. Uh, Brooke Olsendam was with Indiana for a really short time. I think she and yeah. Evan Turner were there at the at the same time, or she might oh, have been wow. there. For, she may have been there for a couple of years before she came out west. But when you were talking about the uh, the analysts for 
Indiana and how when they were just like quiet and they just sat and listened. I just love the idea of that. It's like, you know, going out into your backyard and listening, you know, to the to the crickets chirping or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it reminded me of the other night in the Blazer game. Um, in the game against the Celtics at halftime, there was a delay <laughs> because of the rim. And yeah. uh, so the Kevin Calabro and Lamar Hurd had to pass the time <laughs> talking about it. And uh, I was at the game, so I didn't hear what yeah, they were too. saying. But I came home and my husband was watching it and Nick Stauskas was being interviewed. <laughs> Like yeah. he was doing play by play. So he like came over and put his headphones on. But then while he was doing it, Terry Stotts like came up to him and like yeah. shook his head like, uh, no, we're not doing that. My my favorite part was Lamar doing a play by play of them bringing ladders on the court and being like how tall they thought the ladders were. <laughs> you think that's a 10 foot tall ladder, yeah. an eight foot tall ladder. And then they got confirmation about how tall the ladders were. It was wonderful. Well, I'm. I yeah I'm, th I guess that's like that's what you hire for is people who can <laughs> fill that time. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and then so to one one last thing about the media before we cut to our interview with Ann Peterson, who we're gonna um, bring on to talk about how media has changed for a while, is that. Um, you know, so there's there's lots of places where you can, you know, get the stories, you can get aggregation of stories and things like that. And then there's also like all the statistic sites. And I'm so I didn't grow up playing the game. I grew up playing soccer and that was my my first love. And so I came to basketball later and, you know, I've been a fan for a long time, but it's only in the last like five years or so that I've been trying to really like study the game and learn the game. And fortunately, there's a bunch of really great resources for that, too. Like YouTube is amazing for uh, learning different plays and how plays work and how different types of offenses work, how different defenses work. So I uh, watched the b-ball breakdown. Um, they have some really useful videos that like chalk talkie, you know, for if you're trying to figure out like. For, for a couple summers ago, I was like, what is ice? Like, just I don't understand what ice is when, you know, it's like it's I still don't completely understand it because I think it's a pretty fluid thing. Like, I think with this team, ice is this thing. And with this team, it's that thing. And I don't think it's like a very specific thing. But um, YouTube was great for helping me get a hold on um, of what ice is. And then there's another stat site that is a, it's a subscription site. It's not a very uh, big subscription, but um, it's called Cleaning the Glass. Um, and I don't know if you've ever used that before. I haven't. Um, but it's really cool. The guy who started it actually used to work for the Trailblazers. Um, he was on staff. I can't remember what his job, if he was this, you know, like an analytics guy for the Blazers or whatever. But he now has built this whole site and including building this really cool um uh, I guess application or you know website that um, shows stats in a really unique way because he tries to show the stats in context. Um, so when you look at someone's numbers right next to their you know points per game or rebounds per game or whatever, there's a ranking of where they rate with relationship to other players who are in their position. So if you're oh. looking at a center and his center's rebounds, you see where he is in the percentile among all of the centers in the league. 
So, you know, he might be a center and he might get five rebounds and you like you aren't paying attention to what position you're playing. You're thinking, oh, five rebounds. But then you go, oh, wait, he's a center. And then you see like, oh, with only five rebounds, he's like, you know, not way up there. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm going to need to subscribe to that for fantasy basketball alone. Yeah. And then in addition to that, he writes kind of some behind the scenes um, narratives about just from his time when he was working for the league, like what it's like on draft night. And he encourages the uh, people who subscribe to the site to submit ideas for like questions that you want to know. And he'll write stuff. And he wrote a piece called um, that was about how he learned how to watch tape. And, you know, he was, he had some job that was like not the pinnacle of what his position was while he was there it was a a lower uh ranking position where he had just gotten his foot in the door Mm -hmm. and he was helping this guy watch tape and he just sat there and learned how to watch tape and i was like this is so fascinating so anyway cleaning the glass is another one of those uh sites that's got it's just got a completely different type of information than maybe you would get 20 years ago when you were just trying to like look at the box score and find out what happened in the game right yeah i mean definitely that that sounds like a very interesting perspective well and and i guess how has the way that you consume media and information about basketball in the nba how has that changed for you over the last like i don't know five years or so um I feel like a lot of my, a lot of it has changed in the way that I'm getting a lot of it on my phone. So I can get alerts about teams. I can, I can be very involved and know what's happening, uh, in a more immediate way than I've ever been able to, to really do, which is pretty cool. Cause I can even sit at a game and be checking stats at halftime or during a timeout or checking what people are saying about the game. And I think it changes the way I both watch the game, but also the way I process a game afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really great point that, because sometimes when you're in the arena on the one hand, it's cool to just like throw yourself completely into the game. Yeah. But then like when Damian Lord tweaks his knee and <laughs> he sits down and you're like oh no or like Stauskas goes to the the room or you know the locker Mm -hmm. room or whatever but you know that you can like go check on your phone and find out what's going on it's on the one hand it takes a little bit away from like the immediacy of watching the game but then you can just go home and watch it over again (laughs) yeah and it also stops me from texting everyone I know who's not at the game to ask them if they're watching the game to tell me what's happening <laughs> with the injuries because I have a few friends who are like, please stop doing that. <laughs> That's funny. Well, should we go ahead and uh, introduce our talk with Anne? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, kind of summarize it and then we'll uh, then we'll play it? Yeah, so we're going to talk to Anne, or we talked to Anne Peterson from the Associated Press about the way sports media has changed in her time of 30 years of being a reporter and the ways that the media uh, has changed the game. And also a little ditty about LeBron James that's pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, love talking to Anne because she's been around and seen a lot and she just has great perspectives on on things so let's go ahead and play it 
have asked back to join us on the show second time what podcast uh, guest Ann Peterson who works for the Associated Press she has been covering sports for the AP for 30 years and she's been in the Northwest since 2002 she's got a wide ranging view of uh, sports around here she's covered the Trailblazers the Timbers the Thorns the Ducks and the Beavers and we are excited to talk to you tonight Ann Thank you. It's it's really great to be here. Well, Cassidy and, I, Cassidy and I are trying to wrap our head around just how big media has become and how many options there are for people who want to learn more about sports, follow sports, talk about sports, etc. Um, and we wanted to call you in and find out some of the things that you've observed or learned over all the years that you've been covering sports around here. So our first question, super basic. Um, but it could be maybe a long answer, <laughs> which is how has sports media changed since you started as a reporter? Well, so when I started, I, I started in the late 80s in Boston, Massachusetts, and there wasn't there was no Internet. Um, so you you relied on radio, television and newspapers and in on a more limited sense, magazines for, you know, your media consumption. Um, and AP served, you know, that at that point, AP was almost like a, uh, the first internet because we were a wire service. And so our information was transmitted over the wires and went to every newspaper across the country and internationally. Um, can you tell me so, uh, like specifically like what you mean by like over the wire, what that means? So we're a wire service. So in the days when we all had, um, I guess, hardline phone lines, um, the AP signal was transmitted over that wire or in years before that, the teletype. So uh, so that's how, you know, it, it came into every newspaper's offices and then it would get set into type and printed in the newspaper does that make sense so like you would would you like call it in and dictate it or would you like type it up on a machine well yeah i had i there were actually computers when i started um i had a laptop when i i started covering the boston red sox and i have had a laptop and it was a tandy laptop (laughs) you could only see 65 characters on the screen at a time and you you transmitted it uh you transmitted your story over a a like a regular telephone you had these rubber couplers that went on the mouthpiece and the earpiece of the telephone and then you would dial a number and you would hear beeps and you would hit a button and it would transmit over the phone lines and so, um, but those, those machines were, it, they, we called them trash eighties because you could kind of fix them with a fork if you needed to, <laughs> um, but they, and they were really reliable too. I've actually seen people like find them at garage sales and say, they plug them into a hard telephone line and you can still get them to work. Um, Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, so they were cool. They were really cool. So the the great the thing about being in sports media in those days is because you didn't have the in the resources of the internet 
you really had to do everything yourself. Like now teams spoon feed you stuff and there's all kinds of Google searches you can do and there's databases that you can access. But when I started, you know, I had to know my teams really well. And I did all of those box scores, the, you know, the NBA basketball box scores. I did those by hand. Like you sat there and watched the game and was like one assist, one pass or, or, you know, one rebound. Yes. 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 And, um, and then I would, uh, you know, and then I would type those into a computer and transmit those. And so, um, so I learned quickly, like I know, I learned quickly what every single number in all those box scores mean. And, and that was great for a starting out reporter um, because you had to figure out what, you know, what the, you had to figure out batting averages by hand, Uh (laughs) you know? So, um, so that was the great thing about, you know, coming up through my generation because I, it, it was really like you learned, you learned aspects of your jobs that, that people today don't necessarily know how to do. Um, but when the internet came, that kind of changed everything. And, and we all know that it, it really changed the newspaper industry. Um, uh, and I think that a lot of people now, because it's so specialized, it's nice for consumers to be able to say, okay, I, I'm a huge Blazers fan and I want all of my stories to be I want all of the media that I consume to be Blazers centric. So I'm going to go to a site like Blazers Edge, right? Mm -hmm. Where I get all of my information about the Blazers in one place and they aggregate stuff and, you know, they provide links. And that way I'm not messing around with stories like the stories that I write where I have to focus on the winner, no matter who's playing. So so if the Boston Celtics win, then I write about my story centers more upon the Boston Celtics and the victory than it does about the Blazers and how many minutes Myers Leonard's got, Leonard's got, you know, so I'm, I'm a little more, and I'm a little more general too. My stuff is the stuff that appears, you know, when you click on a link that says NBA and there's a list of stories and you get game stories from all over the country, right? Mm-hmm. That's where my stuff, that's where my stuff appears. So I'm more of a general, my, you know, what I write is very general. It's very basic. It's just the facts. And it's, it, I think it's great for consumers because you can, I mean, I'm a huge soccer fan, right? So I go to soccer fight, soccer sites for my information. Soccer fights. That sounds uh, interesting too. Soccer <laughs> that I used to have to look up or have to keep up track of myself, it's all there for me right there. Teams give you huge packages of notes before every game that has everything you ever wanted to know about, you know, that game. And, um, and, and, and all of those resources are also available on the internet, on basketball, the, 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 the basketball statistics site also. So, um, so the stats that we have now because of media um, and the resources that we have are just, are just fantastic. It's changed my job in the fact that um, 
like things like I mean, I guess Woj kind of changes my job and Twitter changes my job because, you know, uh, you know, not a lot of people, especially in the NBA, Woj is breaking everything. So a lot of a lot of those stories now, um, a lot of people have to kind of depend on um, good writing and good stories and good storytelling. Um, to set themselves apart. And um, there's quite a few people that have set themselves apart with good storytelling, like Jason Quick. So, um, but that's kind of like an overview, I think. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that kind of is oh, an overview of the media yeah. change that's that's great stuff. I have one more follow up and then I'll I'm going to turn it over to Cassie to ask the questions that she has in mind. But it sounds like a lot of things have gotten easier over the years. But what are some things maybe um if there are any that have gotten harder? Um not so much for me. I think a lot of people who are in um this business kind of struggle with the immediacy and the deadline pressure that, you know, now deadlines are all the time. Yeah. It used to be that when you worked for a newspaper, you would have X amount of hours before they went to press that you could write your story and you could craft an excellent story. Um, now they, uh, you know, you go straight, sorry, you, now you go straight to your website with your story after the game. And I think also there aren't editors anymore. Editors don't exist much anymore. So you also have to deal with um, making sure your copy is a lot cleaner than maybe you would have in the past. Mm -hmm. That's something that I've noticed. Oh, I have, okay, one more. I lied. I have one more question. This is a, (laughs) this is a, um, uh, like an etiquette question. So, Uh, for your preference so like sometimes uh, what you just said about how it's you know there just aren't copy editors and editors anymore like if I'm reading a an article online and I notice just like a tiny little typo it's like a misplaced comma or like you know somebody like twisted their words backwards or whatever what is the best way to alert someone so that they can fix it because I figure like you want it fixed but I don't want to like you know make a big deal out of it I'm always like oh what should I do well you know you can always drop people an email I I guess my attitude is that that people are churning out so much copy that Mm -hmm. there are going to be typos and there are going to be errors and and if if you don't if you can't kind of as a writer uh, accept that and you have a problem with people pointing that out to you, mm-hmm. then, you know, you've got, you've got issues. But mm-hmm. um, I always appreciate when people reach out to me by email or by Twitter DM mm-hmm. and say, Oh, Hey, I noticed that you got this guy's first name wrong or uh-huh. whatever. And, and I appreciate that. And then I go and I go and fix the article. So um, so yeah, I think there's different ways to do it. If you, if you know the writer, you're kind of familiar with them. Twitter DM, I don't think is, is, um, it's too obtrusive. Yeah. That way you're just like, Hey, love the article. And the third paragraph, I noticed that you forgot to capitalize this word or whatever. <laughs> Cause I just always yeah. figure people would want to fix it if they knew. Anyway, thank you for yeah, indulging always... me on my questions. I will turn it over to <laughs> Cassidy. All right. Hey, Cassidy. Awesome. And so I'm kind of wondering, We've heard about how the media has changed, but 
what effect do you think the media has to change uh, the game, in particular basketball? Do you think there's an influence there that actually changes the game? Yes, I do. I honestly do. So now teams are controlling their own messages in a lot of instances. They have their own website. Blazers have their own reporter, Casey Hodal, um, and they produce their own content. Um, they also are partners with television channels, in this case, NBC, you know, NBC Sports Northwest. And so that partnership the, and that kind of um, platform allows teams and players to connect with their fans in ways that they were never able to connect with before, right? That message was always filtered through the media in years past. Now it's not. Teams control that access and that media. And I think it has given players and fans a deeper connection and a more uh, and a familiarity that lacked before that was that actually I think I mean I don't know if it's actually changed the game of basketball itself but I think it's changed the way that fans can relate to the game and changes the way that the team can relate to the fans and if if there's been any kind of media change to the actual game, I think it all has to do, I mean, and this is just me talking off the top of my head, but I think it has to do mostly with instant replay because mm -hmm. now everything is replayed over and over and over and over. And so I think that um, media has, has driven that change to the game. All the replay rules and the two minute rules and things like that, I think, I think are really the result of, of, of that that makes a lot of sense um do you feel like the uh the media influence and the influence that teams have having their own sources makes a bigger impact in smaller markets than they do the bigger market teams oh yeah absolutely i think so i think that because the media for smaller market teams is smaller I mean, generally, you know, that there's one daily newspaper now that covers the the uh, trailblazers every single day, and that's the Oregonians. So um, that that the the number of media has has really diminished the the daily media. So I think that it it, it has helped the having their own platform has helped these smaller market teams kind of uh, connect with people and kind of get their stories out. That makes sense. I thought of one more question. Can I ask awesome. one more question? Go for it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so with LeBron moving to Los Angeles and their first game uh, with LeBron on the team was here in Portland. And did you cover that game? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> Have what, what was the media? What was the media like? Have you ever been part of something like that? Because I know you've covered some big deals, like World you know, Cups so and I've stuff. Covered, I've covered sixteen straight opening nights for the Blazers. That's um, amazing. Almost, and, and so I you're the person done. who's responsible for their winning streak. <sighs> 
It is. Oh my God. Yes, it is. <laughs> You're the good luck charm. <laughs> so, um, my, uh, so yeah. So an interesting story about that. I was covering a soccer tournament in Texas that, um, the final was the night before that game. So I got on a flight at, uh, early in the morning, um, the next day to come back to Portland so that I could cover that game. And AP had all of these contingency plans just in case I wasn't able to make it. Um, like if there was a, if there was a tornado or something in Texas, um, they, they had, they had plans to send the guy from Seattle, put the guy from Seattle in his car by two o'clock in the afternoon to get him down here in time to cover that game because it was that huge. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I arrived at the arena. I think I arrived at, it was a seven thirty start. So I think I arrived at four or three thirty, and, uh, the parking lot was already full. Um, so I had to park far away and I, um, I got to the press room and they had already told me that they were limiting credentials for the game. So I couldn't get the, you know, my usual, uh, my usual contingent of people that would normally help me on a game like that. Um, I wasn't able to get them all in and everybody was packed in like sardines, but um, just interviewing Terry Stotts does a pregame at five fifteen. uh, before every game and just doing Terry Stotts, there must have been 45 people Oh my gosh. And, wow. um, for the, for the pregame. And that's unheard of. I mean, they're usually like about 10. Uh-huh. So uh, it was, and it was hard to like, you know, hard to hear him and hard to get your recorder in to uh, close enough to record him. And, um, but the, the most interesting part was, post game uh there it was it was a madhouse there were so many people there and there was so much excitement in the air and then after the game they did a um Terry Stutz did his regular post game press conference in the place where he always does it and there they have seating and a tv platform and the Blazers backdrop up against the wall. And he always does his home post-game shows there or his post-game media availabilities. So there were so many media there that they couldn't fit all in the visitor's locker room at Moda Center. Uh-huh. So they said, all right, we're going to bring LeBron in here in the, you know, in the Terry Stotts' media area to talk to him. But the Lakers were upset that because they didn't have a backdrop that was big enough that had the Lakers branding on it. So they took away all the seats. They took away the podium and they put LeBron on this chair in front of the tiny Lakers backdrop. And they expected all of us to like crowd around each other and try to get, try to get his postgame comments. And it was just insane. I posted a picture of it on social media. If you were not standing in the front row 30 minutes before he started, there was no way that you were going to be able to hear his comments. 
And there were TV, there was TV, there was media from all over the world. And uh, people were standing on chairs to try to, to try to see it um, and try to get photos and try to get video. And it was just absolutely insane. Um, I'm lucky because I'm little, so I can crawl under people. Um, <laughs> um, but I mean, that was literally the only way I was going to get close enough to be able to speak to them uh, or to be able to hear him because it, it was, it was, there were so many people there. So it would have been better if they would have just, you know, had taken any backdrop down and just had the blank wall behind LeBron and kept him at the podium. But I, I understand what they were trying to do. They wanted to do, you know, what they wanted to give their sponsors the publicity that they, they promised them. So they had to have the backdrop there, but the way it was handled was just, I, I think they had no idea that there were that many people. So that was, that's the LeBron story. It, it got better the next time he came. They had, you mean it was a little more organized? Yeah, no, it wasn't, there weren't, there wasn't that crush of media right. that there was I mean, the first game. If you're there to like get, you know, recordings of what he's saying, but you're 40 feet away, like, do y'all just like compare notes and, you know, share via Dropbox your stuff so people can have access to it or like, how does yeah. that work when you text people the audio? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I text, I text people audio all the time. Oh, so yeah, you just, you take, take it on your phone. And uh, then, you know, on, the, on all of the microphone apps, there's a little thing where you can just hit it and text it to somebody. And, and since you're little, you get to get yourself way up to the front. We'll have to remember that. <laughs> I'm just imagining you crawling under reporters to get to LeBron. It's an amazing <laughs> visual. Right. And I can get away with it because, like, you know, I'm a 53-year-old woman, so nobody thinks I'm up to no good. So <laughs> <laughs> oh and this has been awesome we kept you longer than we said that we would but i'm so glad that we got that lebron story because that was awesome yeah. <laughs> any other any words I, of advice for people you know looking for uh you know maybe new things to discover in the media or uh for people who are interested in getting into the media so yeah, there is, you know, there's so many places that you can go now and there's so many ways you can start out now. When I was, when I started out, you, you were very limited. You applied to newspapers and you, you know, you made the cut or you didn't, but there's so many different kinds of media. I don't think that, you know, especially if you're a kid, you shouldn't limit yourself to, um, if you want to be a writer, don't limit yourself to being a writer. Um, if you want to do video, don't limit yourself to doing video. In this day and age, you really need to know how to do everything. You need to, you need, to, I take my own photos a lot of the time. Um, you know, I, I do video and I also write. So um, the, the main thing is to not, uh, to not limit yourself and not kind of pigeonhole yourself. Great. Well, um, before we go, do you want to tell people how they can find the work of Ann Peterson? So uh, AP has a website, uh, apnews.com. AP and, as in um, Ann Peterson, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that's so funny. One of my colleagues, one of my colleagues used to call me AP squared. <laughs> and um, so, uh, but yeah, so APnews.com and uh, all of AP's um, stories are there and all of their sports stories are there too. You can, you can search it or you can put in your favorite, you, you know, your favorite team name and the, the most recent stories will pop up there. Um, I'm on Twitter at, at Annie M. Peterson and that's Annie a-N-N-I-E-M, Peterson, all one word, on Twitter. You can follow me there. Um, for anybody who cares, I have a uh, Facebook page that focuses on uh, women's soccer, and uh, it's called AP Women's Soccer. And you can find that on Facebook. And if you can't, you know, hit me up on Twitter, and I will I'll definitely send you the link. And I think that's it. I think those awesome. are those are the main ones. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Anne. We uh, really appreciate you joining us. Gave us some great stuff to uh, to share with folks. All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Anytime you want to call, give me a call. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you would like to get every edition of the Hoops and Talks podcast, you can find us in the Blazer's Edge podcast feed. We release episodes every other Thursday. You can also follow Hoops and Talks at Hoops and Talks on Twitter. And one of the things that I try to do there is get on Twitter every once in a while and retweet the works that people who've been on our show have done because we've had some fantastic women who are writing amazing things. And so uh, I'll get on there every once in a while and share from the Hoops and Talks account some of the great work that the women who have been on the show have been doing. You can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. And Cassidy, where can people find you now? I'm finally on Twitter again. You can find me at Cassidy Gemmett, G-E-M-M-E-T. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me this week, Cassidy. This was super fun. I had a yeah. great time. Awesome. Well, let's enjoy the rest of the season. Yeah. All right. Go Blazers.